Right, so a Leinster preview podcast. Um, I'm gonna need theme music. Um, we'll try this. No, 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 can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. All right, look, okay, we're going to go and we're going to look at the European Champions Cup uh, semi-final. My wires are all over the place. Uh, semi-final between Leinster and Toulouse at the Viva Stadium. Um, it, I mean, arguably is the game of the tournament so far. Um, I think the two best teams in the tournament, uh, I think La Rochelle are in and around that conversation. Obviously, they're they're the champions and, and going well. But I think they've been a little bit up and down in Europe this year. You look at Leinster and Toulouse, they've been really, really good. And who better than the, than the guy who has looked at both teams incredibly closely this year to look at um, basically where I think this game is going to break down between two very, very good sides. Um, and it's all set up to be a a titanic game. Um, I, I think looking, first of all, we have to, first of all, acknowledge last year's game where Leinster won incredibly comfortably. I mean, that doesn't really even do it, do it, do it justice. Um, Toulouse started off well enough in that game, but had nothing for Leinster in the end. And uh, they put on a bit of a score, to be fair. And I think that game drew a lot of expectation for Leinster in the final against La Rochelle with the logic being that uh, Toulouse beat La Rochelle every time almost it certainly was at that point Um, so Leinster beat Toulouse Leinster should beat La Rochelle and I think a lot of the the, the confidence that was around um, certainly around you know certain different you know pundits and stuff like that was based on the fact that there was this expectation with that gigantic win and the performance to go with it that beating La Rochelle if Leinster could duplicate you know game to game which they probably I mean which they could you'd look at the idea being like that that would be an easy win or at least they, they should win based on those you know the, the transition of one game to the other didn't turn out that way in the final and I think a large part of that goes to the context of which the game was played last year I think first of all you have to acknowledge that to lose, and I think a lot of the big French, uh, the, the big French sides, do not like a whole ton of ball in playtime. Um, they had a lot of ball in playtime in Dublin on that particular game, which really helped Leinster uh, and hurt to lose in the moment. But that was also backed up on a huge amount of ball in playtime the week before, like literally just the week before uh, against Munster, where there was a travel, you know, travel over and back. Uh, uh, you know an, an 80 minute game plus overtime plus the penalty shootout the mental exhaustion that came with that and I think you look at Toulouse last year actually I think that they never really recovered from that sequence of games that they had after the, the, the Six Nations they were it was a murderer's row of games you look at the like the opposition they were playing away from home high intensity games the entire time they never really recovered and I think that it's kind of worth noting that you look at Toulouse's performance last year uh, in and around this time they were coming in on a, a good number of losses that isn't the case this time they're currently top of the top 14 uh, they are relatively well, well rested as well as any team can be at this stage of the season and they're coming in with a lot of their top guys um, Leinster uh, over the last two weeks have had the majority of their top side in Dublin pr- preparing for this game there was a, a, a tour to South Africa obviously some guys who, who might be involved were, were involved in the first game uh, and 
they flew back early as well as did the coaches so I think both sides are, are relatively fresh again I will say relatively because everybody's got miles in the clock at this stage of the season so I, I think that it'll come down to the game itself I'm not sure there's massive amounts of outside context that will um, that will have a, a major factor on this other than injuries and, and Leinster have a few injuries coming into this as well which I think won't have knocked confidence but it'll certainly have brought a bit of um, a little bit of not reality either but you know I, I think it'll bring a little pause um, to this game even though it's at home um, it's it's one of those kind of Leinster selections where obviously it's a top side but with the guys that they've got missing and just coming back in fresh from injury as well there's an element of risk there and an element of doubt I suppose not that much I would say but still there's an element of doubt um, that may not otherwise have been there we'll just have a look at the Toulouse side um, that's been selected and uh, again it's it's fairly formidable they have a few injuries as well obviously but um, this is a pretty formidable um a Toulouse side coming in here in the front row they've got Cyril Boy uh, they've got Movaka and Alder Gary um, second row massive size here in Rory Arnold and Emmanuel Miafu back row looks really like impressive and I think this back five in general is a very very high standard one you've got Jacques Willis you've got uh, Thibaut Flamand and you've got um, Francois Crow um, halfback where again you've just got world class talent Antoine Dupont and Roman Antemac Dupont captains aside as well the uh, midfield Peter Aki and uh, Pierre-Louis Barassi and the back back three uh, Mathis Labelle god damn him <laughs> you've got Malia and you've got Thomas Ramo at fullback obviously there was an injury last week to uh, Melvin Jaminet but I feel they would have put Thomas Ramo uh, starting in this game at fullback regardless uh, he offers that second playmaker style um, fullback for Toulouse which they use quite regularly with their structure and uh, he is an outstanding goal kicker as well uh, on the bench they have Julian Marchand who recovers from injury uh, they've got Netty uh, David Ainu uh, they've got uh, Ruma uh, Reinhardt Elstat uh, Albert Placines uh, Greau I've made a mess of that and uh, Retier He's <laughs> the guy who scored the winning try uh, for La Rochelle against Leinster last year returns to the bench as well. So look, you look that that's a six-two split for Toulouse, and again, look formidable size. I think looking at that back five there, that's incredibly intimidating. You look at Arnold and Miafu in particular; they are collision winners. They are guys who will keep that rock moving very, very smoothly. You would imagine, and I suppose it comes down to the intent that Toulouse play with outside of what we would typically expect for Toulouse looking at them the last couple of, of um, well the last two games that we played against them never mind the red eye I did of them last year ahead of, this, of the, the quarter final they play incredibly tight when they play well so they were a bit like France in that when France are probably at their most difficult to play and their most difficult to beat they play an incredibly narrow game that cuts out a lot of the mistakes and the errors that teams typically feed on one of the things that's a standard with France and Toulouse when they play well is the amount of kicking volume that they bring in. If we go back to the Six Nations, which I think is a good analogue for this game where you're looking at France versus Ireland in the same stadium, no less. I think you can look at self-inflicted wounds by France. And the reason why I would say self-inflicted is that they changed up a large part of their structure after that game where 
up until that game against Ireland in the, in, in the Six Nations, France's kicking volume was actually fairly like low like they did not play a whole ton of um of of we'll say the the usual volume of kicking that they did prior to you know this six nations like you look at their november series you look at their six nations last year france were consistently in the top one or two and generally number one for both kicking volume and kicking distance um what they do and and, and this is something that's fairly standard with france and there's a, an analog with toulouse here as well that they that they go with the long kick pressure their wingers in midfield will look to try to cut off that trend uh, like that that initial transition phase and then once you settle into your post transition phase they meet you with overwhelming size they clobber you off nine uh, they slow down your ruck and they put a real premium on your ability to escape from their post transition defense which they look to try and beat you up on and then cover with quite a mobile midfield and outside backline. So they do a lot of, of 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 that as a as a as a standard. They will tend to, and this is this is like in general, when they're going very well, they will win breakdown penalties, not a whole ton, but they will win them. And then you'll use that to kick deep into your territory, or they'll go for three. Um, but when they kick deep, they have unbelievable size and every one of their back five is a jumping option uh, certainly to start off here as well Thibaut Flamand I think will be the initial main target but they have a, a sequence of play there that works really well what happens then is is that that's when they win a breakdown penalty but what they're very good at is forcing an error or forcing a hurried kick away and this will be where Leinster will have to and this is where Leinster are actually in theory a really bad match for this Toulouse side because if Toulouse are incredibly like intimidating on their post-transition defence. Leinster, on the other hand, when they're playing at their very best, are one of the best post-transition teams in the like in this tournament. You could say in the world. Um, you look at their ability to get around the blitz, their ability to run really complex schemes on the second or third phase post-transition. Never mind how good they are off the first phase, off the line-out or the scrum. And that's how they catch you. Like, that's how they hurt you. And I think one of the biggest things about uh, this game is that battle on the kicking side of it, where I think there's going to be a lot of focus from Toulouse on like they will they will play ball they will go through a few phases they look to try and test out Leinster that way as well but I think what we'll see from from DuPont mostly are those long raking box kicks downfield you know the chase from uh, Malia from Labelle from Ramo and even from like Barassi who to an extent plays like another winger as well certainly defensively when it comes to chasing and pressurising that kick return that's one of the main factors here is I feel that Toulouse will be quite intent on, and, and quite, I'd say quite content, and each, at least initially, to have a look at what Leinster are doing on those post-transition phases. One of the things that makes Sexton, like, and, and the reason why he is still like Ireland's number one guy at 38 years of age, and like obviously I would say he's he's falling back a small bit in some areas of his output for sure. Look, he, he's still incredibly good, world class, I would say. It's his ability in those post-transition phases to make really good uh, decisions, to make really good, like, to ID space, to ID mismatches, but then have the pass quality to be able to pull it off. His passing is outstanding, but it's based on, as well, like, we go back and we watch last year, this, like, this very game. It's Johnny Sexton who's making breaks off 10. Like, 
for the fucking 38 year old guy he's nearly as fast as me <laughs> he's a fucking scuttler when he gets that little break going he just runs like again he's got a fella like you know, I, I look at him like that Erling Haaland style thing where he's running like he's got a bit of a shit in his pants like he is a guy who if he spots that gap he can go and he can make that break one of the criticisms that have been there about Ross Byrne is that he's not that sort of athlete and even you know Johnny Sexton at, at 38 years of age he is a guy who can if he gets through that gap and again he's look he's Johnny Sexton's got a very big upper body like if he can get through that initial phase of defense where he maybe gets past or maybe bounces off that first defender like he can get through that gap and the reason why the Sexton loop still works really well is that Sexton still has that ability because he was never the fastest guy anyway but what speed he has he hasn't really lost so that ability to 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 still execute those those gaps and to still execute the the windows of space that the Leinster system produces, it's perfectly synced in, and this goes for Ireland as well. It's perfectly synced into what Johnny Sexton can do physically. Um, Ross Byrne is not that type of guy. Now he's not that he's incapable of making a, a a line break in this game. He certainly is. But one of the things that have been an issue with Ross Byrne's game, certainly when it comes to super heavyweight opposition, is that. When the pressure comes on, he has a tendency to step and sling. And uh, if you've heard me speak about Leinster before, that step and sling is something that's in Ross Byrne's game where, and you'll see it, where he plants the foot, slings the pass. And that's fine, but at some at some point, your 10, your primary playmaker, he has to step in and he has to be able to cut against the grain to keep that defence from blitzing the targets. And one of the things that, if you're Leinster in this game, is you don't want to lose to have a fairly simple inside defender decision to make where we can push off Ross Byrne when he is um, looking to try and link those pods together because look one of the things you'll see about Leinster that's fairly standard throughout all of their games and the same same for Ireland is where you have that two pod of forwards you have a screened back it'll be Charlie Natai here out the back of that pod and then Leinster stacking on the outside with and they're using the, the looping wingers a little less this season but I think they'll, they'll try to change that up this time um, because they'll want to try to, to draw that blitz from uh, Toulouse but you have to commit those defenders on the inside because again look when they transit across the field one of the things you can never really do with Sexton especially when he's got James Lowe running on that inside line is you can't overcommit and go maybe a step or two that little bit wider going well look I'm going to leave that to the inside defender who's going to go and you know as the transit across from the ruck he'll guard Sexton and the inside ball to James Lowe that's a dangerous one when it's Sexton and James Lowe now Leinster are without those two guys here and I'll go through the Leinster team sheet in a minute but that's the that's the problem where you don't want it to be a, a simpler decision for Toulouse in particular to blitz high and to blitz hard on that pod because what Leinster are really, really good at is when that they get those post-transition phases, they've got a really good standard of handling all across their forwards and they can make that pass out the back and all of a sudden they're around you and they're behind you and you're, you're, you're after conceding a try and you're not really sure how it happened. Um, but... It, a lot of it comes from the compressions that they that they force and these can sometimes even be micro compressions that are basically the width of a meter or two meter but that's enough for them to make that break and go forward and I think that that's going to be a big focus for Toulouse here to go well look can we make Ross Byrne play can we look to bring him out and make him play those phases because like that's going to be the challenge for Ross Byrne here which is to to actually make that to make those breaks and to bring an all-court game. We know that Ross Byrne is a great 
goal kicker. We know that he's a, a guy who can, you know, produce good moments against lower level opposition, okay? This is probably, when you look at, you know, Ross Byrne coming in from the start, this is probably one of the biggest challenges he'll have faced in his career in this game where Johnny's been out for the last number of weeks. He hasn't played um, since the Six Nations, actually. He's done for the season. So this is kind of Ross Byrne's team and has been for the last number of weeks. There is a pressure that comes with that that isn't as full as when Johnny Sexton's no longer in the building, but there is pressure that comes with that where I'm the guy who's got to drive this now. So, like, the, the last couple of weeks, and I think that, you know, part of the reason, because there, uh, uh, there is an element of logic, you could say, where you could maybe bring down that prime Leinster team to play the Lions, for example, and get Ross Byrne there running with them and to, to, to get, a, I suppose, a shakedown game and then send them all back the week before. Or do you stay in Dublin? Do you stay in UCD? Do you run and you do your, do your training there and run your schemes as much as possible with Ross Byrne there and kind of hyper-focus on what he can bring against Toulouse? I suppose that's the the question that they would have had in their head beforehand. At the same, it would have been a big risk to bring those guys down there, but this is going to be the biggest challenge, I think, that Leinster would have faced with Ross Byrne as the number one guy. You go back and you watch the last couple of games that Leinster have had uh, against Leicester and against Ulster. Um, when Ross Byrne was starting at 10, they won the games comfortably. But there were moments there where, like, again, I don't think Ulster or, or, or Leicester are anywhere near the top conversation. Because at the moment, I think this, this is a question that was put in the TRK mailbag as well, um, of, like, there's a pretty big gap at the moment between the teams who can win the European Champions Cup at the moment and the teams who are kind of in, you know, not in the conversation, but you'd you'd look at them as being, well, oh, if they get a run, these guys can maybe trouble one of the top teams on their day. Um, but I think looking at Toulouse, La Rochelle and, and, uh, and, and Leinster, they're a good bit away. Like there's a bit of a distance between them and the chasing pack at this stage. You know, I think that, you know, Ulster, all due respect to them, same with Leicester, are not in that conversation of having that 80 minute power to trouble Leinster because ultimately what it comes back to for Leinster is is that they for the most part do not have pack parity against anybody as in when they're playing the vast majority of teams they play every single season for 90% of those games maybe a bit more they have the dominant pack against the vast majority of teams that they face when things get difficult against, um, you know, like we'll say like Ulster, for example, in that game in the RDS earlier in the season, we know what Leinster are capable of doing. They kick the ball long, they hit you on post-transition, they beat you up on those phases, then they really tighten up their game and they chew, they like, like they, 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 they chew through you. That's something that's a fairly standard with Leinster, which I think goes outside of what the perception is. When they need to, if they're under pressure in any regular season game, they can beat up the vast majority of teams that they play or the teams that they play don't have their depth and don't have their level of game winners. That's a standard as well. The problem comes in, and this has been the case last season also, when they come up against these super heavyweight teams where they're the ones who are on the back foot from a pack perspective. I think last time out against Toulouse, there was a feeling that they had cracked that problem because they you know, they like they they beat this Toulouse side, more or less this Toulouse side, so comprehensively. And I think that the context of that game in that, you know, Toulouse being a little bit beaten up coming into that game anyway, I think maybe gave people a bad read. At the same time, Leinster wanted to bring in the likes of Jason Jenkins ahead of this season 
to add something else to add that little bit little bit more physicality that they felt cost them against uh, La Rochelle and cost them against the Bulls uh, a few weeks later so like I think that when you look at this game the challenge for Ross Byrne is can he add those extras that Johnny Sexton brings even when there's pack parity or even when they're playing a little bit a little bit of a size disadvantage can Ross Byrne add those extras and again with the, with the fellas that Leinster are missing that becomes a little bit more of a challenge because you have you know without James Lowe there without you know Robbie Henshaw that is a worse backline like I mean Charles Natai hasn't played in a number of, of months I would say so it's he's coming in a little bit cold there but again I think they kind of have to they have to do that so we'll just go through the Leinster team right now try not, try not to mess up any of these pronunciations they have Andrew Porter Porter is that how you pronounce it um, Dan Sheehan Tyke Furlong in the front row Ross Maloney and James Ryan uh, who captains Leinster in this game in the second row in the back row Caelan Doris Josh van der Fleer returns from injury and Jack Conan at number 8 um, on the bench they have uh, McKee they have Keen Healy they have uh, Michael Alalatoa uh, Jason Jenkins and Ryan Baird who also returns from a shoulder injury early um, which again is good to see but I would wait and see how he reacts in game and how much like how much rugby he's actually able for this is a a really good Leinster pack Uh, you look at Porter Sheehan and Furlong uh, I think Leinster will want those guys to be playing they'll want those guys to be doing 65 plus minutes and all of them can do that maybe except Furlong but again you look at Ala Alatoa can can step in there and can give you some Furlong like qualities not the same level of player as Tyke Furlong obviously but a, a good player and a guy who they'll need here uh, you look at Sheehan world class talent you look at him in the Six Nations he was an outstanding player he gives Leinster a kind of a an explosive ball carrying outlet that they don't really have in the same vein as Dan Sheehan like and this is one of the things that have been a kind of a conundrum not a conundrum but one of the enthralling things about Dan Sheehan even when he was coming up as a younger player was that scrummaging wise a guy who's six foot three typically was seen as being a bit of a liability that you get crushed if you're six foot three as a hooker because there's a whole lot of space between you and your loose head if the loose head is smaller the primary loose head for for Leinster is Andrew Porter who is a smaller guy he's like I mean around six foot there or thereabouts Dan Sheen is around six foot three you might say that there's is there that much of a difference in, in three inches when it comes to scrummaging and the length of guys backs there actually is a bit of a difference where the primary shape that we've seen Leinster scrum when it's in trouble is Andrew Porter getting collapsed in and the opposition tight head going really really hard and direct onto Sheehan which pops Furlong and allows the opposition loose head Cyril Boy in this case who's going to be giving uh, Tug Furlong all he can handle a little bit more uh, the Leinster scrum kind of collapses across that way that's something that it can happen with a taller hooker now in the last number of years I think the impact of the scrum has gone down if you look at the last decade having a weakness in the scrum like that was a game losing scenario but the modern game you can get beaten up in the scrum and it's not typically something that will cost you the game for the most part so what do you get with Dan Sheehan then if the scrum is lessened as an attacking weapon and it's not that he gets collapsed in or gets attacked in every scrum but it's just you don't want it to be the ones that'll hurt you or cost you a, a semi-final like this so if you remove that from the equation what do you have with Dan Sheehan an outstanding line out who's outstanding with his height 
he's capable of hitting different guys as well that extra height and the extra arm length as well that he has really helps him get some good shape in his throw but where he really uh, where he really shines for me is once that ball has been taken down by Ryan or, or Maloney or, or, or whoever that's when Dan Sheehan becomes one of the most dangerous players in the game because when you accept that the scrum is going to be a liability to a certain extent but it won't lose you the game most of the time and that he's an excellent line-out thrower all of a sudden you've got a six foot three guy who's an outstanding ball carrier who has great power great footwork wins collisions and scores tries and not just the sort of the tap-in tries that you see a lot of hookers picking up over the course of a season but you have a guy there who will tilt the balance of the you know the, of your ball carrying rotation in a very positive way Ronan Kelleher is a guy who would be split in this position with Dan Sheehan I think if Ronan Kelleher was fit unfortunately as a shoulder injury we might see Dan Sheehan doing you know 60-20 you know, but I think that they'll try and get Dan Sheehan doing the full 80 if needs be unless Leinster are dramatically ahead or dramatically behind I think that you'll see him do that and you then you have Andrew Porter who I mentioned there yeah look the scrum is an issue for Andrew Porter I think it is but as I said with Sheehan it doesn't matter like there can be issues in the scrum nowadays and for the most part I think you'll see the instruction of unless there's obvious illegality and my problem would be that Wayne Barnes the referee here was refereeing the Sharks versus um, Munster in down in Durban and the Sharks had a a really dominant um, scrummaging performance there and were rewarded for it if that's matched here that could be troublesome for, for Leinster as well but Again, it's hard to know before the game if that's going to even be the case. Um, with Andrew Porter, you have a guy who, like, take out the scrum. And again, it's not that he's a washout there either. You have a guy who is a world-class tight forward, one of the very best in the world. If Leinster were to win this game, I think it'll be done on the back of Andrew Porter. His performance levels, I mean, even since he switched back over to loose head side, yeah, look, there were scrummaging issues, but everything else is world-class. His line-out lifting, his mauling, his defensive work, his defensive breakdown, his offensive breakdown. He's even a decent carrier as well. That's an outstanding world-class tight forward. And if Leinster are to win this game, I think it'll be based on the open play, phase play work by uh, Andrew Porter who again I'd say is one of the very best players in the world in his position Uh, Furlong I don't think has hit the heights that we associate with Tyke Furlong over the last number of um, of 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 months I would say since he had his comeback but I think that's largely to do with you know I suppose the injuries that he's had and it's difficult to come straight back in and hit the sort of performance levels that we associate with Tyke Furlong which is this guy is one of the very best players in the world never mind you know tight heads he's one of the very best players in the world at his peak that's difficult to come back from if you've had the injuries that he's had over the last year but no better time for a guy like Tyke Furlong to have one of those Tyke Furlong games than this one and if I think if he's firing at his full capacity you know the balance you know of this game swings very much towards uh towards Leinster but we're looking here at the rugby forecast I've just seen it here um on Twitter uh they're predicting Leinster 33 to lose 17 as being the the likely score here which man I don't know about that <laughs> that's uh I mean look they're just saying Leinster by 16 points perhaps but, you know, again, I have a feeling it's going to be much more tighter than that. Anyway, looking at the rest of the... Uh, oh, looking at the, the, the Leinster back five. Ross Maloney, James Ryan, Caelan Doris, Josh Vanderfleer, and Jack Conan. 
there was no way it's like Josh van der Fleer with the ankle injury that he had like he's he was coming back for this game like he was going to play this game I think unless he he was really struggling I think there's not a chance that he wasn't going to play this game like you know you you can play on an ankle if it's not fully right and I think Josh van der Fleer is the type of guy who you would you know you, you would back to come in and perform almost straight away as if there was nothing wrong with him now if he's coming back a little bit early from that ankle injury he picked up against Ulster um, again I think that this is the time of season where you just have to throw it out of the window you know and, and come in and, and, and perform the same with Ryan Baird you know I would say it's it's more difficult for Ryan Baird because if your shoulder isn't right in this game especially as a, a sort of a, a line out forward half lock style guy like Ryan Baird um, you kind of you know you're that can be something that can you can re-injure really quickly and uh, especially with the, the type of game this, I would imagine this is going to be with the physicality involved so yeah no I, I think that's going to be there's a risk there but it's obviously a calculated risk um, and, and they've they've made that decision because they feel those guys will give them the best opportunity to win this game um, and looking at Ross Maloney over Jason Jenkins I, I put out a, a little thing there uh, earlier uh, to, you know sending questions from about this podcast and uh, I got a lot of people asking like you know looking at the team sheet named it's very interesting that Jason Jenkins isn't starting uh, when after they lost to La Rochelle last year the media said he was deciding to stop that from happening again uh, yeah no look th- th- there's no there's no escaping from the fact like that it's you know that th- that that was the talk at the time that Jason Jenkins was signed for these games. Now he is on the bench. It's not like he's been, you know, dropped out of the out of the team altogether for this big game. But it is a bit unusual, I would say, in that typically, as we've seen with Leinster, and I think even against Toulouse, that you match them power for power first, and then if you have to go to a lighter build later in the game, you can do that. Now Toulouse have gone for a six-two split. So, and again, the six-two split they've gone are mostly back rows. So with the the six two that they have, like they have guys there who they can switch out and almost entirely replace their back their 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 back row. So I'd imagine with their build, the vast majority of their activity is going to be, you know, ball carrying and stuff like that will be in their back row for the time being. You will still see the likes of Miafu and Arnold carrying the ball, but I think that they'll mainly deal with the tight aspect of the game first, and I think they'll use the likes of Cyril Boy, Alder Gary as primary ball carriers also or Movaka even, um, because they'll want to keep Arnold and Meafu on the field for a big push as the game gets into the last 20 minutes of physicality, if they need it. But I think looking at, you know, again, with the, with the, the tree-lock pack they've gone with, they've got Thibaut Flamand, who can step up into the second row also. So they've got options. But I think if you're Leinster, m- my theory here would have been that if you want to go and match this to loose side, physically, you have to stick with them. And I think that what we've seen from Munster is is that we went in with a smaller build against these guys for the most part that said though we had Ty Byrne and like Jean Klain who plays like in the role that he, that he played against uh, against Toulouse those times a very heavy hitting role and we struggled when we had to rotate to a bench and we brought in smaller guys but at the same time with Jason Jenkins I think there are question marks for me and this is just based on like what I saw last season in that he was the last guy that we brought on we brought on Thomas O'Hearn ahead of him because at that stage I think there was question marks as well does this guy show up against the biggest opposition now he could well do that here 
you know he, he may well be needed early in the game sure all, be, all he can take is one bad tackle and, and he'll, he'll be on for the full 80 or, or close to it but I think that you know that's the kind of the the question mark over him as in like that the physicality is there we've seen that at times but when do you want to utilise that and like having him coming on for you know the last 55 or the last 20 minutes we'll say on, on you know 55 60 minutes Ross Maloney goes off Jason Jenkins comes on that adds a little bit more beef to that Leinster scrum for example but my concern would be is that you've got James Ryan starting as tight head lock from a scrummaging perspective for the first two thirds of this game when you make that change you're then bringing in Jason Jenkins Ryan will go to the loose head side of the scrum and I suppose it depends on how many scrums there are you know that, that, like that's important as well but I feel what Ross Maloney has done outside of Jason Jenkins is that Ross Maloney has just flat out been playing better and like physically he's not in the same ballpark as you know as Jason Jenkins on paper but I feel what you'll get off Ross Maloney will be better at least for the first part of this game and with um, Jason Jenkins there, I think there are question marks over well he is a, a heavy hitter right he, he is a guy who has that tight head lock power forward role set in theory but outside of the first couple of games of the season for, for Leinster against uh, I think it was Zebre um, a kind of a, a Benetton side who were still becoming who they would be and I think the first half of that Ulster game against a rotated Ulster side because of Emerging Ireland obviously we haven't really seen that on field and I've watched a lot of Leinster and I haven't really seen a whole load of that from Jason Jenkins now is that the reason why he's not starting? Because again, I could see like with Ross Maloney coming on, that's a great guy to come on, you know, in the second half of a game, especially with his skill set, you know, because again, he's a guy who passes the ball incredibly well. With Jason Jenkins, what you're doing to a certain extent there is, is that you're you're tightening your game in the second half. Now, maybe that maybe that is what Leinster are scheming for this, but I just feel that with the, the money that they brought in Jason Jenkins on, that this was a guy who, that they would look to bring in from the start and go toe-to-toe with Toulouse, especially in those post-transition phases. Because when Toulouse are fresh, when the likes of Miafu and Arnold and their very big back five, when they're all fresh, I think that's when you need to match them. And what you don't want is that is those in our early couple of phases, if it starts to turn really tight, and we're not talking about it's a really tight, um, you know, collision-based game on the five-meter line after an Insta line-out. Like, you're talking about in the middle of the field on those, you know, after those long counter-transition kicks and both sides will be playing that. Like, that's going to be the worry, is that, well, how do you match up with them there? That's when I feel that you'd need a Jason Jenkins to, to win those tight collisions off nine because they're going to be fucking hectic and that's where the, the pressure I think will come down but like Leinster's skill set with Ross Maloney early on maybe they're thinking we catch out uh, to lose maybe they'll be coming a little bit heavy a little bit narrow with Ross Byrne there he's not a guy who I would back to win a one-on-one collision with the likes of Miafu of all things being equal but he has got a skill set that will allow him to extend the play both as a tip-on player and as a screen passer it's a really big strength of, of Ross Maloney on top of being you know quite an athletic guy in the lineout as well which will be a big big factor here like ultimately I think where this breaks down I'll get to the Leinster backs in a minute is that if you've got the size that Toulouse have and you've got the the lineout work that they have too you look at Thibaut Flamand as a guy who I think will really go after that Leinster lineout as will Rory Arnold remember they have the heft to get those guys into the air also um, there's no reason for me that, that Toulouse would look to 
duplicate the mistake that France made in what I would say is an equivalent level game back in the Six Nations where they played a whole ton of rugby for around for the second quarter that upped their own ball and playtime where when it came to it they were just a little bit too burned out when it came to it to deal with the pressure that Ireland were able to level at them. I think what Toulouse may have learned from that game is is that they need to stay on structure which is we will attack when Leinster kick long to us. That's the big risk as well for Leinster is that Leinster's typical counter-transition starter game brings in the likes of DuPont and um, Peter Aki and Roman Antimac and, you know, uh, Mathis LaBelle on transition, which is dangerous. <laughs> like, they're a dangerous group to have uh, on transition because they can escape that initial transition defender. And if Josh van der Fleer isn't fully right... If they're missing, we'll say, the defensive quality of James Lowe, who I think is over the last two seasons has really come on as a defender, um, that's where things can get a little bit hairy. And I, and I think there could be a decision made at Leinster where they go, maybe we don't want to give them a whole load of transition runbacks. Maybe we want a box kick. And I think that's where the initial uh, kicking game might go, where they're going to box kick short run the risk of the scrum because they don't want to give to lose too much in the way of, of run back opportunities because you don't want if you're if, like if I'm scheming this for Leinster I don't want my backfield rotation of Ross Byrne maybe Jordan Larmour Jimmy O'Brien and Hugo Keenan Hugo Keenan's outstanding world class but I don't want Ross Byrne to ever be isolated on the edge because again if you're going on a counter transition game Ross Byrne will be in the backfield what you don't want is him to be in a position where Toulouse can get that into the wider channels and you've got something like DuPont or LaBelle or any of these guys one-on-one with Ross Byrne on the edge. So the way to limit that, at least initially, is to kick short and to box kick and to you know get Jimmy O'Brien, who's good in the air, Hugo Keenan, who's outstanding in the air, to try and narrow the game up and run the risk of there will be knock-ons, we'll have to lock the scrum. But I think that might be the, the decision-making that, that they will look to try and do, at least initially. Um, I'll get to some of those other questions in a second, but finishing off the Leinster team, they've got Gibson Park and Ross Byrne at 9-10. and 10. Uh, Jimmy O'Brien, Jordan Larmour and Hugo Keenan are their back, uh, back three. And Gary Ringrose and Charles Natai uh, in midfield. Uh, Robbie Henshaw misses out here, which is a big loss, uh, especially when it's kind of not being flagged in advance it's going to happen over the last day or so that those rumours came out on the bench they have Luke McGrath Harry Byrne and Kieran Frawley so like look obviously like if there's an injury to that back um, to, the, to that like to that back line uh, we'll say the back three you'd see Hugo Keenan if it's not him I take Kieran Frawley at least initially will come in as a like a, an all purpose outside back line replacement guy here uh, Harry Byrne for, for Ross Byrne a few people asking about where Sam Prendergast Sam Prendergast was never going to play in this game that that was like just not going to happen people were talking about him being in a you know playing in a World Cup against South Africa this would be the game that you would get that guy into if they were going to do that at all it's look there, there is a se- there is a sequence of events that could happen where that guy gets in but I think it's incredibly unlikely um, and again he's not here because he's 20 years of age he's a guy who has one senior cap under his belt you don't want that guy in a game of this stature with Leinster season on the line like I mean that's whatever about the the physical demands of it like or the what's his game readiness or game IQ levels like that's the sort of equation you're talking about here like do we want to put that like do we want to put um, 
that sort of risk and and jeopardy on this guy and, and you know, obviously not like Ross Byrne you look at his season this year he's been outstanding probably his best season for Leinster in Ireland but like I said massive challenge coming into this one just basically looking at what like how does he manage this game from the start and can he kind of shape this Leinster side in his own image or will it be a bit like what he did off the bench against La Rochelle last year which he struggled to be fair he did struggle um, off the bench for, for Leinster in that game to close it out that's the I suppose that's the question mark that I would have here he's been great this season for the most part but this is the biggest physical challenge that he will have faced up until this point his pack need to fucking mind him and they need to drive him through this game to allow him to get those moments where if he has to make a pass on a on a typical Leinster strike play he 100% can make that he knows the scheme inside out so that in itself is, is not what you'd be worried about I think what I'd be worried about here is is that if Toulouse can make this an absolute fucking slugfest especially post transition what can Ross Byrne do to change the picture he looked to kick over the top of their blitz and he's good in that in, in that role as well but I need to see stuff ball in hand from him where can he actually attack the line can he start committing defenders to create space outside because the nightmare mode here would be is that you're getting Charlie Natai who's not the, the fastest or most agile guy going him taking the ball off a screen and getting absolutely nuked by the likes of Jacques Willis Jacques Willis or Peter Aki or Barassi and you know a turnover happening in that space or um, Toulouse being so certain of the movements they're expecting from Ross Byrne that there's an intercept or him you know that, that Toulouse are, are picking up something on a you know one of those wide you know hitting the two pod and beyond screens that, that Leinster do that's where the risk will come in I need to see from Ross Byrne here just him showing that he can be a physical threat himself and that you know that you can't just step off him and blitz on the outside so that's going to be a big factor as well as that as well look I forgot to to mention that uh, Wayne Barnes is the referee here so the physicality that's going to be at the breakdown here is going to be fucking frightening Leinster they are a vicious team at the breakdown they really are Toulouse though are not lacking in that department either so this is going to be not for the faint hearted I would say there's going to be some big shots early on here on both sides of the ball I would say that playing off ball here initially you want to be a hardy buck going into that breakdown Um, having possession and I think that this is where the initial kicking battle will come you know, it will actually be really important if Toulouse can get possession inside that Leinster uh, 10 metre line I would say that you will not see Leinster competing all that much at the breakdown at all. That's where the likes of DuPont can be, you know, you can snipe up the side of a rock and all of a sudden you're seven points down. But that's where there's going to be a fascinating battle between Porter, Sheehan, Furlong, you know, Ryan, Maloney, even Caelan Doris, uh, Jack Conan, and the likes of, you know, Arnold, Miafu, Willis, Flamand, uh, you know, Francois Crow like Cyril Boy like these are all big heavy fucking players who will punish you and I think that's the the big kind of risk factor here is can you keep those guys out of the game and can you just basically preserve yourself that's why the first kicking game is going to be so important here not making mistakes under the high ball not making mistakes on the run back on transition being very solid on your handling this is where you need your big players even early on in the first five minutes to kind of set the tone here and set the tone about where this game is played and how it's played I'm concerned like if, if you're Leinster 
what Leinster do at the start of games like this is they blow teams out of it with a high pass per carry game at the start of the first 5-10 minutes high intensity high physical pressure loads of passes loads of option runners and you'll see Leinster drop back Leinster will kind of like because again there's a, a, a big physical outlay that they put out there at the start of these games but they need possession to do that this is where it's going to be very important for Ross Byrne to drive that high pass per carry game in the absence of Robbie Henshaw as well. It was a big loss here. But you look at Gary Ringrose. This is the kind of guy who you want him getting on ball on the edge. Charles Natai gives you that sort of heavy playmaker style role. So they'll need him involved early as well. He's coming in cold after being out for four months. But this is why you sign a guy like this on the money he's on to come in and perform in this game. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. Like I think that the, the loss of James Lowe is a big one for Leinster's kicking game because the length and consistency and accuracy that he gets off the boot off his left foot is unbelievable like again not at all surprised to see Jimmy O'Brien in wearing number 11 I was talking about that in Provincial State of Mind no shock whatsoever Jimmy O'Brien gives you some of that level of of of, of, you know kicking game from that spot not to the same level physically either not the same sort of collision winner in the way that James Lowe is like uh, he's almost like another you know, almost like another midfielder in the way that he wins collisions. But it's the way that they manage um, the the threat of, of Ross Byrne with Jimmy O'Brien and with Jordan Armour as those inside options. Is that enough of a threat to open up the spaces outside where Leinster catch you? Hard to say. We'll have to wait and see. But it's set up to be an absolutely outstanding game between two really, really good sides. Um, I can't wait to watch it um, I will be doing a kind of a quick breakdown of this after the game in a podcast and uh, not necessarily a live stream because I'm not sure where I'm going to be tomorrow evening but I will do a breakdown of this game afterwards in a podcast and just see how it all shakes out at the moment I think it's going to be very very tight looking at the, the breakdown of physicality I think that Toulouse have more weapons that they can use over the course of the full 80 minutes I think that Leinster will be I won't say reluctant but they'll need Porter and Sheehan unless they have this game won by 45 you know like 50 minutes 60 minutes they'll be reluctant to take Porter and uh, Sheehan off the field that gives an advantage to um, Toulouse who will be able to rotate and keep their guys fresh you will see Cyril you'll see their front row change at around 45-50 minutes they will look to try and you know manage that game and manage their physicality they've gone for a 6-2 split so they won't be they won't worry too much about a slugfest at all can Leinster manage that initial pass per carry blitz that blows teams out of it in the first 10 minutes? Can they get the ball? Will how, how will the scrum break down? What will the kicking game look like? Will they go short? Will they go long? Will they risk going long to the likes of DuPont when they have a slightly unbalanced and maybe not, not inexperienced, but at this level, their backfield coverage could be a bit of a risk. It's all set up to be a really, really interesting game. So I hope that you enjoy watching it. And uh, I'll be back after the game to speak about it, as well as building to the URC playoffs next week with Glasgow versus Munster over in Scotston. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a Tier K subscriber. I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money.
Pours reek and testosterone Power and money got me crazy cocky No longer need you poppy I know you're mad because you can't stop me And if you wonder how this player done scooped your honey I think she smell my cologne, it's called brand new money